Welcome back to 80s Pop Tops. This week, we will be having what I would like to call my special episodes, which I will now label from now on off the charts. This week, we will be going over one of my favorite little subgenres of 80s and 90s music. It has been called many things. It's been called hair metal, glam rock, pop rock, whatever. But this is my absolute favorite form of this kind of music. I will be staying away from some of the bigger names in here, such as Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, Poison, Rat. Not that I don't like them. I love them. It's just these are the ones everybody, when they think of this, it's what they think of. So I will be staying away from those. Um, you can go back and look at those Def Leppard, such as Gods of War, which I consider more of a the better representative of this type of stuff. I will be sticking with some of the lesser known or one of the ones that you don't hear on the radio as much anymore. So where will we be starting this? We'll be starting this at 10 songs, no particular order, just 10 of the songs I think best represent what I wanted to discuss this week. Number 10, we will start with Right Now. That was Love Has Taken Its Toll by Soraya. This song came out in 1989. Um, I really loved it when it came out. It was one of the, as things were starting to fade, um, this came out and was a minor hit. I've always enjoyed female voices for rock music. So this song has just been always one of my favorites. It's played for quite a while as it came out. So it did okay was played very well on the stations that pervade of this music very well where i grew up that would have been 103.5 wshe so this was played a lot and as you can see it's on here i enjoyed it a lot um did very well i was like i said so go out there and give it a shot now let's go on to our next song this is be number nine another one that was sort of well known for a group that became well known for some things that were not so fondly well known. That was Once Bitten, Twice Shy by Great White. Now this group, you may have heard, has unfortunately a rather horrific incident tied to them that happened in 2003. This song was their biggest hit. Um, one of the few good, one of the great songs off that album. Miss um, the Bones, another good one. Um, Rock Me is good. The reason that unfortunately they're known now has the whole incident with the station fire in 2003 with incompetence from the management to 
them to trying to pretend like this never happened and being split into two groups that tour separately till this day. However, what I remember from them is this song, this video, and the memories this song brings back to me. This came out again, I think summer 89, maybe early 89. I remember playing hearing it all that spring and summer. And when I went to trip to Europe, I remember a friend of mine played it all the time and he had remarked how he couldn't wait to be able to see them live and in person. So at that time it was a big thing. And remember having, we made this joke, me and my friend made this joke about this as well as our dating life at the time, always falling for the wrong person and getting burned by it. I guess that's the story of many people's lives. All right, and now let's move on to the number eight song. That was Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. This song was released in the summer of 1987. Um, was the biggest hit for Whitesnake. And if this brings back images of women flipping and writhing around on hoods of jaguars, there you go. <laughs> you remember it. That is not my biggest memory of this song. I have a couple of them, but my biggest one happens to be going back to school, 1987, my first year in high school. Going on the bus now, I got picked up to go to school around 6.57 in the morning, so the sun wasn't even completely up. But there were two kids in the back of the bus that started playing this song, and it's just, that's how I envisioned what I was going into in 10th grade. Didn't know many people going back to the same stuff again, and kind of scary, and just just weird feelings that were involved in it. So... Like I said, to me, music is all tied up in memories, and when you hear these songs bringing you back to those certain memories, that was definitely one of them. I also remember when I was in Europe again two years later, I, this is one of the tapes I bought in London, and so I wore it out, and that's when I realized there's like three or four different versions of this song, <laughs> um, depending on where you were and when you happened to listen to them. Different guitarists, same singer, but different guitarists, different arrangements, so... <clears throat> If you always thought there's different versions of the song, you're not crazy, there are. And it just happens to be what you're listening to when you come across them. So now let's move on to number seven. And now this will be the only version of this type of hair metal or pop rock song on my list. And I will tell you why afterwards. That was I Remember You by Skid Row. Um, Skid Row, another one of my favorites. I wouldn't say least known members of this genre. They were pretty well known. Um, again, this was a late 80s one. And they had a, another album come out in the early 90s, which to me is just as good. A little bit harder, but just as good. 
Um, the reason I put this one in here, and this is the only one I would consider the power ballad or the hair metal ballad is, I like this one. Um, but this type of song is one of, if my opinion, one of the reasons why this genre died out. Now, you can say it was because it got overplayed, it got wore out, or all pretty much valid points, but you had started to get to a point where a band would put out a rock song and then they would be f forced to put out one like this. Now, the reason why this was happening is because they were noticing a large segment of their audience was female, which there's nothing wrong with that. So this appealed to them. This got them a lot more chart, higher on the chart, a lot more chart appearances, sold a lot more records. <laughs> of course, that's the main reason for everything. But so they would always... When they started this, they'd always start a pattern of releasing the harder songs and then this one. Um, this song, they say itself, got started mainly with like Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue, I Remember You, this one here. Um, then you had High Enough or Love Bites. You run into all these constantly. But as the end of this, or this was starting to die, they would put out bands that would just do these songs. And it was just like they just did it to try to get as much sales before they just threw them away and moved on. So when you start doing that and people get disillusioned and your audience gets older, <laughs> they start going to different styles of music, i.e. Nirvana. And then we all know what happened from there if you follow this at all. So I wanted to put this one in because I think it's a very valid point about one of the biggest reasons why this had problems staying. There's many more, but... This is one of the ones I consider, and it's the easiest one to talk about without getting into large and long debates. <laughs> so here, we're going to go on to our next one. And this one also came out in the late 80s, and let's listen to it now. That was Firewoman by The Cult. That song was released in the late 1988, 89, uh, off their album Sonic Temple. This is a group that, to me, came out of nowhere. Now, they did have a hit before this, which is a little more alternative sounding. Um, they came out, it was um, She Sells Sanctuary. <sighs> Say that real fast. Um, but when this album came out, um, it was... a uh, a big hit. This was played endlessly on MTV towards the end of the 80s on their shows Hard 30, which became Hard 60, which was their daily roundup of you know, all your best hair metal hard rock songs, as they would say. Um, the lead singer for this group, Ian Astbury, you know, had the long black hair, looked like a vampire himself, British pale white with the long black hair. I don't know if that was the look he was going for, but that's definitely what he was given off um this song along with um god dang it firewoman Edie, child baby which i do love also and sun king or that that whole first side of the album is amazing if you have not heard it i suggest you just go give it a quick listen on spotify it's there it shows you i mean you can start to see that this was 
they still called it the hair metal hard rock, but it was starting, you can see the sound where it was blending into grunge elements with a little more production, with actually a lot more production, but you can see it happening. Ian Asbury, after a while, he did do a while where he was the lead singer for The Doors when they did a tour, like in the late 90s, early 2000s. They tried to have him as doing being the, doing the Jim Morrison thing, so kind of interesting if you wanted to see something like that. All right, so now let's go on to our next song, number five. That was What It Takes by Aerosmith. That was off their Pump album, which again was released in 1989. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, you don't consider Aerosmith like a hair metal or a pop, heavy pop rock band. Um, they're more like a classic rock band. Well, at this point, not really. Um, after their comeback, after the teaming up with Run DMC in about 87, um, they did release Permanent Vacation, which had some big hits as well, which I agree with you there. It's more of a uh, classic rock, more just tr traditional hard rock band, which I agree with you. But it was because of the style of music that was out at this time why they made such a powerful comeback. That cannot be denied. It was just, it's, they got put on with all those other songs, and it's just as good, if not better. So it just did well. Um, this song itself... <laughs> always reminds me of my final year in high school because I've equate everything with memories with music with me. Um, this was also the first concert I had gone to was this the Aerosmith in April of 1990. Um, great time and remember just was blown away by the concert. I loved it. I didn't know all their older stuff as well so I mean I enjoyed the concert from beginning to end. My friend who went with me not so much just because he did not like the opening act because out there they have a woman rock rocker you know she was garbage she was trash Joan Jett which I didn't agree with because I liked her set as well and he just wasn't impressed but he was turning away from rock music and as well because he was becoming a hip-hop disciple sooner or later and that was you know the, the new thing so that's what was good no, I don't have anything against it but I've never been a disciple of that kind of music it's not my thing it's okay there's good bits of it there's bad bits of it but it's never was my thing that being said Aerosmith this album was amazing now the one they released after that in um, the early 90s get a grip was all good as well that reminds you of uh, Alicia Silverstone dangling off an overpass flipping you the bird and you know what I'm talking about so all right let's move on to number four now this is more of a local band that had one hit that kind of like when I was talking about the old ballad thing that annoyed me this may people may think, well, that was just one of those ballad bands. Well, let me give you a backstory, my friends.
That was What You Say by Saigon Kick. Yes, Saigon Kick. Who is Saigon Kick, you may ask? Well, they did have a semi-hit at the very end of all this in 92-93 called Love, Love Is On The Way. Now, you may remember that that is, quote, their only big hit. Now, that is a very ballady song, and I do not like that song from them. However, what I just played for you is off of their first album. They are from Fort Lauderdale, where I grew up. However, I really didn't become introduced to them until I was in college. And that was before this that song came out, that ballady song. So me and my friend, we went to see them live. We got there, and he had known about them, so he was introducing me to them. So I remember being up at the very front of the stage, and they did an amazing show. And it was mostly this album and a couple songs off the second one. It was great. I was like, I had never heard of them. So I ran out and bought their debut album, which is called Saigon Kick. It's a self-titled album. It is very, very, very well done. And I looked on Spotify and the demand for it's like all one. So it's still not well known. And if you do happen to like any kind of this music that I've been talking about today, go out there and give it a listen. I'm guaranteed you'll like some of it. Not just the song I played here. There's some other ones. And it's not all the same, and there's some very interesting ones on there. So it's something you should go give it a, give a listen, check it out. You may enjoy it. You know, what the hell? Um, like I said, they put on an amazing show. Lots of power. I mean, I remember getting slammed a couple times by the people dancing around behind me or mosh pitting or whatever it was. It's kind of odd, but whatever. But... I definitely think this is one you should try out, and I wanted to put it on here because this is definitely a hidden one, especially this first album, which I consider the better of the two albums they put out. The second album, The Lizard, is okay. There's a there's one or two really good songs on there, but that damn ballad on there just annoys me. It's because that's most of the time you bring it up, that's how people remember, and it's like, well, that's not them. That's just, uh, they may have been forced. They may have liked it, but it just pollutes everything, and it just is just, ugh horrible so if you want to find some new old music go out and check this one out that's saigon kick by saigon kick that being said let's move on to number three and take a quick listen That was Everything About You by Ugly Kid Joe. Now, this is another early 90s, um, kind of like you can see the blending between um, the hair metal and the alternative grunge beginning. Uh, gone was the hairspray and the tight spandex, and now it was the long, dirty hair and the jeans. And You're starting to see a blend, and one was going to crush the other one. But that being said, <laughs> I loved this album by this group. Um, I really think this was their only album. I don't think they did much of else after it. Um, there's this song, of course. There's the remake of Cats in the Cradle, which is very good. They also did a couple other ones that weren't as well known that I really like off that album. Um, Neighbors, I love. Um, the Goddamn Devil's good, too. Again, if you had not heard of this album, I, you can go out and find it on Spotify and listen to some of the other ones on there. You might be interested if you've never heard them before. Hey, they're pretty good. 
Um, I do remember seeing this group um, in the 1992-3 spring break in Myrtle Beach. It's a club that no longer exists. Um, the Purple Gator, I remember spending a whole Thursday night waiting for them to go on stage. And I took the stage like pff, 11, almost midnight, and played for a while. That was an interesting night. I remember my uh, friend and I just getting crushed in the crowd and being spending all night just trying to be able to find a comfortable spot to watch because the concerts back then were hey let's not watch let's sit around and slam into each other because that was fun okay whatever chief so that said that's ugly kid joe and it's another one you should definitely go out and if you happen to have not ever heard them but if you know anything about this movie i'm sure you've heard of some of them so let's go on to number two That was Up All Night by Slaughter. Again, another one of your late 80s hair metal pop rock bands. Um, this is pretty much their only album. I'm sure they did others. I just don't remember them. So that tells me they didn't do as well. This was the biggest hit of theirs. Um, I remember it playing on the radio a lot. And when I did run across this tape or CD, there's another song right before it, Burning Bridges, which is just as good if you ask me. Um, what was unique about this group was definitely um, the lead singer's voice, whose name was Mark Slaughter. <laughs> it's not because I just made up this name, it was actually his last name. Okay. Lovely parents. So his weird, like almost like whiny falsetto voice, it was just, it was unique. So this is why that's, this stood out and it did okay. Um, they did do, of course, the ballad, Fly to the Angels, which came out and did pretty well as well because again that's what you did you released your hard rock one you released your ballad you made your money and then you tried again and hoped you were lucky never worked sometimes it just never worked out that way um they hung around on the very lower rungs i think the last time i ever heard about them was after september 11th that they were afraid to play a concert in the dominican republic or something like that because of the they thought their name was too provocative and they'd be the victim of a terrorist attack. I was like listening to that going, well, that's, you're either being really paranoid or you're making a desperate bid for media attention or something. So people would say, look, we're still viable. We're still around. We still, we're still here. As that genre was just dying a fast and horrible death and had been replaced by grunge and rap metal and new metal. It was just... It was becoming a joke, even though I never thought it was a joke, because I liked it. And I don't care that I'm saying I like it. I liked it. <laughs> All right, let's go on. And now our last one. Here we go.
that was Coming of Age by Damn Yankees. Now, this one was put last because, to me, this was your high watermark. This was your early 90s hair metal with, like, well-known people. You had Jack Blades, you had Tommy Shaw, and you had Ted Nugent that formed this so-called super, super group. Um... They had all come together and decided they were going to make an album of rock music. Now, this is definitely hair metal music. I don't care what anybody says. Listen to these two albums. They are. I'm not saying they're not good. They are great, but it's definitely what it is. Um, I picked this one because this was the first one I heard, and I remember being taken by storm by them. They do have a ballad, of course, which is very good. I almost picked that one instead of I Remember You because it's that is probably my second favorite one. Um, high enough, but it's definitely very formulaic about the whole thing. Y you look at the, the cover arts, it's guys with long hair, with jeans, you know, like we're so, we're the cool, you know, long hair, we're the rocker types, which is what I was in high school. That's what I wanted, but my hair just didn't do that. It just curled up and looked like a really bad mullet. So that's why I didn't do it anymore. Um... If you listen to this album, you can tell who did what songs. You can tell a Ted Nugent song. You can tell a Tommy Shaw song. You can tell a Jack Blades song. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jack Blades was um, Night Ranger, um, one of the lead leaders of Night Ranger, Sister Christian and all that. Uh, Tommy Shaw's from Styx, uh, the rock, the rock, the rockingest rocker from Styx. <laughs> and Ted Nugent's Ted Nugent, Cat Scratch Fever, Borderline Insane, Right Wing Lunatic. Yeah, you take what you can get, right? Um, this song, Coming of Age, there was also um, Runaway. Um, like I said, High Enough. And off the second album, there was Don't Tread On Me. It's just, again, they did some very good songs, and I needed to put them on here because, again, I think they're almost forgotten now. They get blended into the whole nine yards, this big soup of guys with hair and rock guitars that... Doesn't even get a played much anymore. That style of music is really, really disappeared. I mean, occasionally you'll come across a so-called rock band, but it's it's very rare anymore. Um, I don't know why. I guess it doesn't sell as much, and it's only it's only good if it sells. I guess is the whole problem. But I have a problem with that. But whatever. I'm an old man. I'm an old man on my porch screaming at the kids because of their hippity hop music and all the other garbage that they're playing that I don't like. But everybody gets like that as they get older. It's just a fact of life. So I wanted to bring you what I thought, as me as a teenager, was some of the best music that came out at that time. I have lists of these. I do have a list on Spotify I'll link to that has most of these and a lot more. I considered them hidden gems because, i.e., they do not get played on the radio as much as your Bon Jovi's, your Def Leppard's, the ones that are like considered your standard bearers you know you give love a bad name or pour some sugar on me which are very good songs but unless you're a dead zombie you know those you've heard them recently um i have tend to put these on here because they don't get played as much and they demonstrate more of what that scene and sound was like um you'll come across bands you didn't even know existed kicks um there's also tesla on there not the car but the band so if you're interested in this, just slip over to that list and you can take a listen and take your brain back 10, 20 years, <laughs> wherever it happened to be for you, and just sit back and enjoy it.
because I know I do every now and then. So I want to thank you for joining me for the my Off the Charts semi-weekly show. I will be back next week with the usual monthly countdown. I believe it's July 1980. And then we'll get back to doing what we do. I want to thank you for those who listen weekly and subscribe. I appreciate it. It makes me feel I'm not just talking to a complete and total void. So you guys have a wonderful week. Um, happy Halloween because <laughs> it'll be after Halloween by the next time I record. And go out, have some fun, and rock on, and make sure you use lots and lots of hairspray. Good night, everybody.